you know, I could get to a place of bitterness and hatred and anger really easily toward that doctor all over again. All I have to do is sit down and take time to think about the fact that my son's not here. Um, all I have to do is look at my wife crying on, on, you know, days or moments when um, grief comes rushing in. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 29, our season finale. And coming up, the realities of forgiveness. How to make the most of the summer. Getting on the freedom path. Revisiting some thoughts from Dr. Joe and how God has been faithful to a family in pain. This is the season finale of Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. And I'm John Fugler on a quest to know Jesus and help a million believers to know him too. I'm the author of a devotional series called Your Life with God, a, a lifelong Christian media guy, husband, father, grandfather of eight, almost nine. And personally, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Find that in Philippians 3.8. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. And I'm feeling pretty healthy now. Yeah, COVID is behind me. My strength is coming back. My voice is starting to come back too. And uh, that feels good. Now, my wife has COVID now. But she doesn't seem to have had it as bad as I did. So she's coming through this. She's she's doing pretty good. So please pray for us. We want to make sure there's no lingering results of that. Well, this episode will stun you. Uh, my guest has a story that will, will cause you to gasp. I mean, I did. If forgiveness is an issue for you, then he'll probably melt your heart. And his family's story, well, well, there's so much we can learn from it. So get ready. Uh, I, I mentioned in the intro that this episode is our season finale because uh, we're taking the summer off and uh, coming back for season two in September. But it's also a great time for you to get caught up on past episodes. Uh, there's gold in them dar hills. Yeah, there is. Some awesome interviews that'll freshen up your relationship with Jesus. You might need that this summer. So go back and listen. Uh, like episode number eight, Dr. Joe Martin. Now, this guy is a fireball, as you'll hear. He is serious about connecting with Jesus. And he started teaching me how to have a relationship with God by teaching me how to do a quiet time. And when he taught me how to do a quiet time with God, first thing I asked John, I said, John, when you witnessed to me, why didn't you teach me this? when you first led me back to Christ. And you know what his response was, John? He said, um, I thought you knew. Mm. See, and that's the problem, John. We assume people who we lead to Christ know how to build on that relationship and build deep roots. 
Now, this is kind of funny and ironic now, because in what I do now in my ministry, we assume nobody knows. I don't care if you come in as a pastor. We're teaching you how to have an intimate, personal relationship with Christ. And we do have pastors who were discipling. And see, what I was missing, I realized, oh, I had religion. Then I had relationship. But there was one other missing component, discipleship. And John started it, but then I met an older man who came into my life and I witnessed him in front of his family and how he was discipling them. And I'd never seen anything like that before. And he included me in it. And he taught me how to, not only did he disciple me, he taught me how to disciple others. Make sure you go back and listen to episode number eight with Dr. Joe and uh, check out other past episodes this summer. Uh, This is new member month at Fresh Faith 24-7. If you're looking for a place where you can build consistency in your walk with Christ, I want to invite you to become a brand new member. Uh, There's there's no obligation. Just try it out. I've got a 30-day free trial going, so you'll have plenty of time to see if it's right for you. Good way to start your summer. Uh, The first thing you should do, by the way, when you join, is go through the Freedom Path training. This is the core of of our membership. It's it's the place you need to start. It's a video course that I teach that'll help you remove the obstacles that are pushing against your relationship with Christ. That intimacy, that that knowing Christ. And we have things that get in the way. It's different for each one of us. And the Freedom Path training, it, it'll change your life. It will. So become a new member this month at freshfaith247.com. Go ahead and check it out. Well, we want to make the most of the time this summer, don't we? Because here are the words, the famous words that will go out in households across America. I'm bored. (laughs) Yeah, uh, those are the words that kids will proclaim about a week into the summer, right? And parents, are you ready? (laughs) Grandparents, are you ready to step in for your kids to help their kids? I mean, we're, we're in this together, right? Um, I, I looked at Ephesians 5.26. It could be a great theme verse for your family this summer. I, I like the way the Berean Bible study puts it. The Berean Bible, it says, uh, pay careful attention then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So that phrase, redeeming the time. Let's redeem the summer, okay? And I got some ideas for you. Did some research. And uh, an article by Focus on the Family has plenty of ideas here, some, some great ones for family activities. So you can redeem the summer. And I'll put a link in my show notes. Uh, I, I, here's a couple of them, for instance. Um, it's, it's the question box. And a woman named Chandra Phillips suggested this. She said, it's never too early to get our kids thinking about the big questions of their faith. I filled a wooden box with cards that have challenging questions such as, how do we know God exists? Is Jesus really God's son? And are all religions equally true? (laughs) Those are heavy questions around the family dinner table. Um, She says, several cards have answers in the back while others are more open-ended and requiring kids to think and discuss the topic. She says, my eight-year-old already has a a practice defense for many areas of her faith. The question box. And then there's another one uh, called Reflecting on Scripture, where uh, Sarah Blakely said, like 
most tweens, my kids rarely leave the house in the morning without first spending a few minutes in front of the mirror. So I use those brief but consistent moments to help them learn God's word. Using a dry erase marker, I write verses on the bathroom mirror to encourage or challenge my kids. And I'm thinking, if, if you've if you got a verse you really want them to, to be there forever, don't use the dry erase, use permanent. But anyway, uh, she says, they're spending time in the word while they brush their teeth or comb their hair. And after a week, I wipe off a word here and there and leave the marker out for the kids to fill in the blanks. I love that. I love that. And she says, I'm amazed how a few minutes each day help them learn scripture. So there's a link in the show notes for that Focus on the Family, brand new article they have out uh, about activities for the summer. Another resource too is K-Love. They got a great webpage with family trip ideas for the summer. Uh, Christian music festivals, mission trips, national parks. I'm going to put that link in the show notes. It's uh, a couple years old or more, but still relevant. And I like what they suggest. A couple places you can go and you can redeem the time (laughs) and uh, make the summer really, really special for your family. Don't waste it and keep Jesus in the summer. No more of this. I'm bored. Uh, Are you getting my uh, Fresh Faith devotional emails? You can. Join other believers who are getting these delivered three times a week to their inbox for a 60-second read to start the day. I I am all into equipping you. And that's what this podcast is all about and uh, the resources that we mention. And this is one of those resources, Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. I love writing these and sending them out. Uh, In fact, in the next few days, I'll be sharing about how to cope with life when life gets the best of us. (laughs) How do we cope? And I got some encouragement from a key scripture for that. So that's where I'm going this week in in one of the devos. And I've also got one planned on moving from performance for Christ to knowing Christ. As you know, that's a big part of why I'm here and what I'm really waving the flag for. But I'll be digging into that in the next few days. So that's a little bit of what you can expect in the Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith devotional emails. Just 60 seconds to start your day. Sometimes we just need a a godly thought to jumpstart our day because we're not thinking the right things and our our minds are kind of empty. And that's what Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith is all about. You get it. It's free, of course. Go to freshfaith247.com and click Fresh Bread in the menu or even more simply, just, just click the link in the show notes. My show notes have lots of links and resources in there that we discuss on the show, and that's a good place to go so you don't have to search and everything. It's just right there. Just click it. Now, in preparation for our featured interview, I wanted to share some thoughts on surrender because it really ties into the life lesson our guest will share, uh, a life lesson that he and his family are still learning And so here's some fresh bread as an appetizer. Living a life of surrender to Christ isn't easy. (laughs) It's agonizing at times, isn't it? In biblical times, when a king surrendered to another king, he often gave up his life. At the very least, he was maimed and imprisoned. Praise be to God that we surrender to a loving Savior and Heavenly Father. And surrendering to God... uh, It's an incredible gain to us, not a loss. I mean, Matthew 16, uh, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me 
will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? (laughs) Whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's good surrender. And although we know the truth of Jesus' words, or read it, it's plain to see, we still agonize over surrendering to him. The idea of surrender isn't a big deal until we understand that it means surrendering our dreams, money, family, job, car, time, all of this, surrendering to him. And we tend to hold on so tightly, don't we? I'm speaking to myself, too, in this. Jesus made it clear, hold on to your life and you will lose it. Surrender it to me and you'll find it. we got to get that going from the head to the heart, don't we? It's a crazy principle. It goes against our natural thinking, but it's true, absolutely true. Jesus plays it out to the max. He, he boldly states that our soul is in jeopardy if we don't surrender to him. So that's serious stuff. Go back and, and read those verses, Matthew 16, 25, and, and 26. But when it comes to living out a surrendered life, we close our fists and hang on tightly to the possession of the moment. That's because it's because it's not an intellectual exercise. It's not just up in the mind. It's an emotional one. It's in our heart. And it's an exercise of our will. But most importantly, it's a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. It comes down to trusting Jesus with our most prized possessions. A surrendered life isn't about marching down the aisle and giving your life to the Savior. That's just the beginning. (laughs) A surrendered life is about giving every piece of your life to him daily. My high school football coach used to say, take care of the little things and the big things will turn out all right. And when it comes to surrender, give Jesus all the little things and the larger ones too, but give them one at a time, all these things. And the big thing, which is our life, will be surrendered to him. I know that you will have a choice to make sometime today or tomorrow. I guarantee you'll have to to surrender something. You'll have that surrender decision. I'm not sure if it'll be about a possession or a bank account, job, relationship, whatever. But something will pop up that will require you to surrender it to Christ or not. And that decision is yours. So we have to ask ourselves, will we take on the human way of thinking or will we strive to gain a peace of the whole world that way? Will we take on the human way of thinking and strive to gain a piece of the whole world? Will we do that or will we willingly surrender to Jesus? All of this to him. And I I just say that we need to live with an open hand to the Lord. That's what surrender is all about. And that's what our guest has learned. He's learned that. But the lesson was painful. And let's go into that interview with Eric Reed. He and his wife, Katrina, went through a tough, tough experience in their lives. And as I talked with Eric, he was so open about the struggles and the victories, about the lows and the highs and everything in between, and how God met his family where they were at. And I mentioned at the outset of the show, our focus in this interview is on forgiveness. And when I think of fresh faith in real life, man, this is it. This is it. 
Eric will tell you about his background, and we're going to follow the sequence of events and his work in ministry seasons. So here we go into my interview with Eric Reed. Eric, it's so good to finally have you on the podcast. We've been working on this thing for months. <laughs> I know it's hard to track down these schedules, right? But we made it happen. It really is. I remember meeting you at the uh, Christian Media Conference in Nashville, just uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump for, from where you live. And it was it was great to spend a couple minutes together. I got your book, Uncommon Trust, Learning to Trust God When Life Doesn't Make Sense. I read that. I was really moved by that. And also moved by the fact that the name of your ministry is, is Knowing Jesus Ministries, which is what we're all about here at Fresh Faith. And then you were about ready to start a teaching series on abiding in Christ. And I'm saying this, this intersection, this is what, uh, this is perfect. So I want to get you on the show. Um, so thanks for being with me. Glad to have yeah, you here. Yeah, honored to. And you know, I, I wish uh, I wish everybody saw the importance of uh, the names of, of our ministries and why we think uh, uh, knowing Christ and um, abiding in Christ and why this is so, why it's so central and it's so essential to the Christian life. And so, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm excited to be on here with you with a, what it sounds like a, a very like-minded brother. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, centering around the word, I think of Paul, my, my theme verse, I get it posted right here on my monitor. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's right. And I become a student of that verse and really digging into it from, from Philippians 3, 8. Our, um, our listeners, uh, they, they will know you as an author, as a pastor, as a, a ministry leader. You're also a husband and a father and that encounters the same things that other Christians do. Yeah. For instance, uh, you were, your world was rocked by a tragedy with your son, and you write about it very openly in your book. And then you start out with it. It's a thread throughout the book, the book on common trust. And uh, I want our listeners to get to know you. So maybe you could share that story with us. Yeah, my wife and I uh, went to high school together and we didn't date in high school. We waited till I went into the army uh, where it was uh, where we would have to live separate from each other before we started dating. So that was, um, you know, that's a little backwards, honestly. But we ended up uh, dating while I was in the army. We got married. I got out of the army because I wanted to uh, settle at home, have a family, didn't want to, you know, drag them all over the place in the military. And so um, I ended up coming home, got involved in sales and eventually got involved in ministry to, with no, <laughs> never thought that that would be the route my life would go. Um, the Lord had plans I, I did not have. And so when we were expecting our first child, you know, I felt like, man, my life's really Fallen into place, you know, the Lord is blessing us and we're, you know, my wife and I are both people who did not grow up in church, but now here we are, you know, giving our life to follow Christ and we, we want others to know him and we're doing Bible studies in our home. We're looking at starting a ministry and a church and just, you know, all these different things. And we find out uh, while we're pregnant with our first child that there's an issue going on and we didn't know what the extent of that issue was. Um, for all we knew that, you know, this would, you know, be a nothing thing and we'd drive on, but it was enough of, a, of an issue to know that there had to be further testing and which just immediately puts you in a place of just like, you don't know what tomorrow holds. There's, you know, there's, you're not in control and that's tough. And so, uh, we, we got testing and we discovered that our son had a bad kidney, that there was a kidney filled with cyst on it, that, that kidney needed to be removed 
once he was born. And, you know, we were told they should be able to do that without an issue, uh, that once the kidney was out, he could live a normal life. And so even the, the shelf life of this inconvenience and, you know, abnormal pregnancy and, and, and birth, you know, it looked like it could be something still over and done with kind of quickly. And then we could kind of reset, get to a normal life like everybody else has. Mm -hmm. And um, Caleb ended up being born premature. He came early, 10 weeks early. Um, we ended up trying to do some things to help him to grow a little bit bigger before they did surgery. They, they had to keep those cysts drained uh, that were all on his kidney that were causing issues. And so it finally got to this kind of risk reward situation where it was like, if we leave it in, he's going to get even more sick to the point where it may be detrimental to his life. If we don't, you know, if we do have surgery, there's a risk because he's small. And so they, they were weighing those things and they eventually decided to remove the kidney. And so after two months, they went in to have surgery. They removed the bad kidney. But as we would discover um, the next day, uh, they accidentally removed the good kidney in addition to the bad kidney. And that's where for us, life turned upside down. Oh, man. I mean, when I read that, it was like, I got to that spot in the book. And it's like, you just stop and you, you shudder when you just read that. Because you don't know well, what's on the other side of this. Yeah, and we didn't know either. You know, honestly, it was, I mean, I was young and naive. I didn't even know what kidneys really did. I knew they were important. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like, I, I didn't even really understand the implications that that's how naive and young we were. And I, I found out really quick, like, um, this isn't good. Um, he can't live without kidneys. And that's when the reality started to crash on us. Like our lives are forever changed. Hmm. Um, Where were you get... in your, in your walk with, with God at that time? Uh, you know, we were serving the Lord in our church. We love the Lord. Uh, we were involved in some ministries in our church. But if I'm being, I mean, if I'm being really honest, I had no theology of suffering at all. You know, I kind of, I kind of had the mentality that was like, you know, I'm living for the Lord and we love the Lord and we're trying to serve the Lord. And so our, un, our unspoken expectation probably was a little bit of, you know, God owes us kind of to keep the path clear, you know, or to bless us with comfort, ease and blessings, you know, and so you know, I would have never vocalized it like that, but I think to some degree I had a little bit of an unspoken expectation of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have a really deep understanding of what happens when your life gets turned upside down. Where's God in that? Um, where's God in your suffering? Uh, why does God allow it? If God could stop it, why doesn't he stop it? Um, you know, why would God permit it or, or even plan it? Right. And so these are things that I had no, I, I mean, I had nothing for those kinds of questions. And so I didn't go through a crisis of faith, but what I would say is I, I had sort of a reset where I had to go back to the drawing board to say, I, I haven't read the Bible close enough to think about these things. Um, what, what does God say in his word? And that's really where the journey began for us of learning how to develop um, a theology of suffering. I call it a theology, so it just mean a biblical understanding of where is God in the midst of suffering and pain. And um, how do I understand God's role in this? And what does that mean for me? How should I pray? Um, what should I do when the cloud doesn't lift? Um, how do I trust God when I don't control what tomorrow holds? And, and those types of things were now what I was thrust into. And so they ended up moving forward with 
some procedures and doing dialysis and things like that with the goal of getting Caleb big enough to have a kidney transplant. And uh, he would eventually get that when he was two years old. So for the next two years, he really battled and struggled. And, um, you know, we had surgeries and all kinds of things, but we got to the kidney transplant and, and our lives, you know, our lives got better at that point. Um, it was just a new set of challenges, but at least the, the dire straits of we need a kidney, we're running out of time. Dialysis is, you know, you know, the effectiveness of dialysis is beginning to wane. Um, and so that began kind of a new chapter, a new season when he got that kidney transplant. So it was constant uh, stress. I mean, you went from one stress to the next. I started dealing with anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Mm. Uh, never had those in my life uh, until after his kidneys were removed on accident. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was just put into a whole new world of learning to manage fear. Did you, did, were you angry when this happened? Yeah, with the, with the surgeon. I was never angry with God. I had questions. I was never angry with God, but I was, I was bitter toward that surgeon. Uh, in fact, we wrestled with, we wrestled with hatred, with, you know, and bitterness for over a year with him before the Lord really, the conviction of that began to set in. And then we had to begin a whole process of how do you forgive somebody that you don't want to forgive? Um, how do you forgive somebody that you've lifted up as the poster child of someone to hate, you know? And so, yeah. The and Lord, you're, and the you were Lord, pastoring at the time? No, I wasn't pastoring yet. I was in Uh, I was serving in our church on staff as like an interim role, an internship into an interim role, was working with young adults. Um, So so you're in ministry and leadership and you have this uh, tragedy and you're dealing with the anger. You're supposed to be representing Christ and and yet it's almost like a dual life. Well, and, and this is where I had, I mean, I had so much conviction. I mean, at some point I was eventually, you know, I'd read the word and see all these passages about forgiving those as we've been forgiven, you know, and I'm bringing it to my family. Like, you know, guys, I, I think we really got to wrestle with these things. You know, it's like my own heart doesn't want to forgive. And yet Jesus says some really potent things about forgiving. Um, like he gives a whole analogy, a whole illustration, a whole parable on the King who forgives the servant who turns around and doesn't forgive the servants that owe him less. And he says, if you don't forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. And I mean, I'm reading that like, um, we better start dealing with our heart, you know? Um, so that took time too. So yeah, we, we how'd you go through that process and, uh, Katrina, how did she deal? Was she just as angry? Was she dealing with the same thing? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. I mean, there's a lot of talking through it, a lot of reading the Bible, a lot of talking about what is, man, what do you think Jesus means by this? You know, it's like, how do we forgive somebody that has taken something from us like this, you know? And um, he was the, the surgeon at the time, you know, was so indifferent. He was so calloused and, you know, so flippant about what happened. And that angered us even more, right? I mean, this is our son. This is our only child. This is our firstborn um, you've altered his life and ours forever, you know? And, um, so there was a lot of reason why we had hatred. And yet at the same time, you know, Jesus didn't put any disclaimers in there. Like, you know, unless, you know, you've really been wrong, then you don't have to forgive. It's like, no, it's, you got to forgive as you've been forgiven. So the process for us really started vertically. It started vertically as you've been forgiven, kept coming up, forgive as you've been forgiven. 
And so the key to forgiving horizontally is you have to learn to look at what you've been forgiven vertically. So it began with recognizing how much we've been forgiven. Um, I, I think the, the difficulty with forgiving others is we feel like you've hurt me too badly. You've wronged me too badly. So therefore you don't deserve forgiveness. What shatters that is when you look vertically and you realize I've sinned worse against God. I deserve worse from God, yet he has forgiven me totally in Christ. And that will wreck your inability to forgive others because you begin to see I've injured, I, I have sinned against God worse than anyone's ever sinned against me. I deserve hell for my sin. And yet God forgave me, not because I'm forgivable, but because he's gracious. And so that's a process that that's not a light switch. You can flick on and off and say, yeah. okay, I'm going to forgive somebody. Now it's like, I had to really begin to, to, to meditate on my own unworthiness to be forgiven. And yet the fact that God did it. So there's a vertical element to this that comes first. And it's only once that really soaks in that I can look horizontally out to others who have hurt me and say, I can forgive you because Christ has forgiven me more. What was a turning point for you? I don't know if I could pinpoint one turning point, but I think it was, it was a process of months of really beginning to realize if Jesus can forgive me, I have to learn to forgive others. And, and, and maybe this is a turning point, one a time frame, but it was an, it was a, it was a, an understanding that came when I began to realize that forgiveness and reconciliation were not the same things. I was then freed to forgive this man because I didn't have to then act like he didn't hurt us. I didn't have to pretend to be his best friend. Um, I didn't have to go try to establish a relationship with him. That, the, the scriptures don't obligate me to that. I'm obligated to forgiveness. Reconciliation is a very different thing. Reconciliation requires repentance on behalf of the person who sinned against you. Re reconciliation comes when repentance comes. Forgiveness doesn't require them to even know you're forgiving them. It doesn't require their actions. It's you dealing with God so that you can then basically un and untether them to your own heart by your bitterness and your resentment. And so that was a process. I mean, it was a process. I wish I could say, yep, I caught that lesson really quick, but I didn't. But it was healthy for me to go through that process because I, I came to an understanding of my own unworthiness and it made me love grace and, and the gospel even more. So Caleb was two years old. Um, you got him back basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the story didn't end happily ever after. And you right. tell us the, the rest of the story of his life. Yeah. So from ages two to 13, um, you know, he had lots of medical issues and we had, you know, medicine routines and respiratory therapy routines and lots of doctor's visits. I mean, it was not normal by any stretch, but it was a normal stretch compared to the first two years and compared to the last two years, uh, two to 13, he went to school, he played sports. We went and, you know, watch, you know, Tennessee Vols and Nashville Predators hockey. He mm -hmm. went to, you know, he played on his sports teams he gamed online with his buddies playing PlayStation. He looked like any normal kid other than the fact that he had a lot of abnormal things he had to do that his friends didn't have to do. But he spent the night with his grandparents. You know, he was he was a boy. You know, he was just a boy. Um, but because he was on immune suppressing drugs, that, you know, for his kidney transplant, it made him susceptible to all kinds of other infections and diseases and things that you and I, our, our immune systems would just fight off. 
And so when he was 13 years old, he contracted something called fungal meningitis and he got really sick, had a stroke, uh, lost his ability to speak, lost his motor skills. And we were really thrown back into the fire all over again. And at that point, you know, there's a new ground zero for us. You know, we're back in the hospital for months and months and months. We don't know if he's going to make it. We don't know if he's going to live. If he does live, we don't know what, what son we're getting back. You know, he was unconscious for three weeks. Um, so there was just so much that we were thrown right back into the fire and having to learn to trust God again. And, um, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 during that season became precious to us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And learning to trust the Lord, um, that's an easy verse to read, but actually doing it, you know, is hard. Hmm. And leaning not on your own understanding, you know, why God, why this, why that? Explain yourself. Um, you know, why is our child dealing with this? And you've got parents who don't even appreciate having children, you know, they abandon them. And, you know, you can go through all those things, but leaning on your own understanding doesn't uh, give you peace. Um, it actually is what leads you to anxiousness and despair and to worry. And, um, and so trusting the Lord in contrast to leaning on your own understanding became a new, a new journey for us, uh, even, even more so than before. Um, and so, during that two years, you know, we gave around the clock care to Caleb. Um, he never went back to school. Um, he never regained his ability to speak, even though his mind was there. Uh, we had to find alternative ways to communicate with him. Um, his life was severely altered. Um, his ability to cough and keep his lungs clear. Um, he couldn't do that anymore on command. So everything became more difficult for him. It must have been so agonizing for, for you. It was Katrina. It was the hardest two years of our lives for sure. Mm. Um, you know, we had suffered and experienced a lot of trauma those first couple of years. We knew his whole life that things could turn in an instant. You know, uh, we didn't expect it to be that way. Uh, we thought maybe his kidney would reject at some point we would be back to square one with a new kidney transplant. That that's what we always anticipated might happen. Sure. And instead it went the other direction. He got fungal meningitis, had a stroke. It was a whole different deal. It was all stemming still back down to the kidney trans, the kidney, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. It was and hard. So you, uh, you lost him then that, that two year battle and, yeah, December of 2019, um, his lungs got an infection and um, just could never recover. There was nothing they could do. Um, and so we, we said goodbye to our son. You know, it was, uh, it was a two-year process of a lot of struggle and pain. We still didn't even know until the, the last couple of days that, that, that it was even going to be the end. You know, we, we were prepared to take care of him into adulthood, uh, the way he was, you know, we just didn't know. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden it was like on us, you know, the thing we had always dreaded was right in front of us. Hmm. And, um, it, we, you know, the, the book you wrote, um, uncommon trust and the subtitle that is learning to trust God when life doesn't make sense. Yeah. And now that we've heard that story, we understand why that title and your whole book is about that, about right. the lessons you learned through this, right. taking 
what we know biblically and applying it to our heart. And I think back on how you told us about the difficulty with forgiveness. That's right. Um, and that was just, so now that was just one thing you had to deal with. And you just layer all these other things on top of that. Yeah. And, and then the forgiveness thing probably came back too when he passed away, I would think. That's right. Well, it, so here's the thing with forgiveness is it's never a one-time thing. It's you're always choosing to keep forgiving. Um, you know, I could get to a place of bitterness and hatred and anger really easily toward that doctor all over again. All I have to do is sit down and take time to think about the fact that my son's not here. Um, all I have to do is look at my wife crying on, on, you know, days or moments when, um, grief comes rushing in. Uh, all I got to do is think about my daughters not having their brother and it doesn't, it wouldn't take long to let myself go there. And that's the key. Let myself go there. Um, you, you have to take thoughts captive. You have to direct your thoughts toward the truth and towards reality that, you know, God is in control and that God is sovereign and he's wise and he's loving and he's faithful. And I talk about those attributes in the book because those are the foundations of trusting God. I have to know and understand that God holds these things in his hands. And if I forget that and I preach to myself a different story, the story about what the doctor did, the story about how he took from us and the story mm -hmm. of how our lives are now missing something that would have been there had he not done something then I'm preaching a story that's going to affect my heart. It won't just live in my mind. It will affect my heart. And so forgiveness is a daily choice. I have to keep choosing to forgive. I have to keep directing my thoughts in that direction. And so I tell people forgiveness is not a one-time choice. It's a daily choice. And now you're a pastor. You know, when Caleb passed away, you're pastoring and you're that's leading right. a ministry. So you're in a whole different place. That's exactly right. In your life. Yeah. And you're, you're preaching messages that have heart and life experience behind them. That's right. And, and so when you talk about abiding in Christ, when you talk about forgiving, when you talk about knowing Christ, dealing with grief, all those things, I mean, the Lord is, the Lord's put you through a 13-year a, a test for that. That's right. And I think that's been one of the things that uh, maybe that has helped validate the ministry, uh, you know, and certainly in our church, you know, it's given some, some gravity to the work we do, you know, it's when, when we preach and we talk about these things, it's not, it's not theory, you know, and here's the deal. The person who hasn't experienced those things can preach the truth from the Bible and they can be absolutely right as well. And, and people can benefit and learn and grow and mature from hearing that. And that, and that's, that's good. Um, I, I don't wish any, I don't wish it on anybody to have to go through these things uh, so that they can validate, you know, uh, you know, the word in that way. But I will say this, it has definitely provided, um, I think for people it's validated that I'm not just preaching it, but I'm having to cling to it. Um, you know, I'm living it because I believe it. Um, I'm not saying it because I, I abstractly think it's true. It's, I've got the scars to show that I'm, I'm hanging on, you know, clinging to these things as much as I'm appealing to them to cling to them as well. How are you doing today? It's had been less than three years. Yep. It's, um, it's been two and a half years, you know, um, doing well, you know, I say I, we take it one day at a time. Overall, I would say we're doing far better than, you know, I could have ever imagined. 
prior to it, you know, if I'd have said, how will we ever endure this? You know, which I think that's what every parent asks. I just don't know how I would do this. And, you know, the only thing I know to tell them is you don't know how you're going to do it. What you just have to lean on is grace when it happens. You know, you don't, uh, God doesn't give you the grace to imagine going through it so that you can be good with it on the front end. It's if, if you go through it, you have to cling to his grace. It's all sufficient grace. I would say we're doing well. We have people around us that are great. Our church has been so good to us. And um, we have people in our lives that, you know, they can ask us hard questions and we, we can talk to them when we're struggling and there's days where we're crying, you know, and there's days where, um, you know, where we're, we're grieving and mourning and, you know, we have videos and pictures that will pop up on Facebook memories. And, you know, all of a sudden we see something we hadn't seen in a while or, you know, there's this little, there's just little uh, bombardments of grief that can pop in unexpected. And, and that's just part of it. You know, uh, we've grown used to that. Um, but I think overall, the Lord has sustained us and he's held us um, in this process. And you've got two daughters in that's addition right. now. Okay. And so how do they handle it? They lost their brother. I mean, what's that dynamic? Yeah, it's, it's hard. You know, they were They were 10 and six um, when he passed. Um, you know, they, they grieve, but obviously, you know, they're, they're younger and it's harder for them to process and understand. But, you know, we have lots of open dialogue about that in our home. You know, we talk a lot about and have always talked a lot about pain and suffering and grief and trusting God. And, you know, even before Caleb's passing, they knew they had a brother uh, with a story. And they knew they had a brother that likely whose story would be different than theirs. Hmm. And so it's always been a part of the conversation their whole life, you know, not just when he passed. And so, you know, I think more than anything, we just have an ongoing, you know, we just have an ongoing dialogue in our home about, you know, the ways of the Lord are not our ways and what it means to trust him. And it's right to grieve and cry. There's days where they get upset, you know, and, and we let them cry. There's no like, you know, we don't tell them, you know, don't cry. It's okay. You know, Bubba's in heaven. It's like, they know that, but it's okay for them to cry. It's okay for them to grieve. And, um, you know, I don't know if I, if, if, you know, we're ready to write the book on how to lead your kids through grieving and mourning, but I, I think they've done well, you know, and it's, we're free to talk about Caleb in the house without feeling like we're walking on eggshells. And so I, I think we've done enough things right to where they've dealt with it in a healthy way. Um, they, they are able to talk about their brother and we're able to look at pictures and laugh at videos. And, and yet there's still moments like with us where they miss him, you know, sure. and. Well, I'll, I'm going to put a link to the, your book in the show notes because your story is so well uh, told and our listeners can get into the depths of the lessons that you've learned and the lessons you're teaching in each, each of the chapters, the, about trusting God, the sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God, um, and, and dig into that. In the few minutes that we have left here, I want to ask you about knowing Jesus ministries. Yeah, uh, The Lord has used you to touch the lives of so many people and pastoring your church and leading this ministry, being an author. And as we've said, it, it's come out of your personal experience and putting that together with uh, biblical truth. But knowing Jesus ministries, tell us what that what that's about. So after Caleb passed away um, in December 2019, um, we had COVID hit in March of 2020. 
I turned 40 in May of 2020. And it was the combination of those things where I really began to just, uh, what's the best way to say it? Um, I felt inclined and uh, cut to the heart from the Lord to um, really evaluate what I was doing with my one and only life. Um, you know, I've been pastoring my church now, uh, you know, at that time, 14 years now, 16 years, I've got the best gig in the world. Uh, my church loves me. Our church is wonderful. Um, it's all, it's growing. It's, I mean, it's just, I can't, I can't ask for better. And it would be really easy for me to just coast the rest of my life at that church um, it would be easy for me to just, you know, just enjoy, you know, riding out the rest of my years, just churning along at the church. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I was really feeling convicted of, am I stewarding my gifts? Am I stewarding our story for the glory of God and for the good of others? And I really began to be convicted that I needed to do more than simply coast to the finish line at my church. I didn't want to leave my church. Don't want to leave my church. Still love my church. Still want to keep doing what I'm doing. But the, the question became, how can we amplify um, the message of Christ, the message of the gospel, help Christians walk in communion with Christ, understand how to walk through struggles and suffering and pain, how to stay the course in a culture that's not going to pat them on the back for being a Christian. How do we help believers grow in their faith? How do we amplify that? And, uh, that became the genesis for knowing Jesus ministries. Mm -hmm. I love what you're doing there. And it's so relevant. So it takes, takes the truth of the gospel, truth of the word, and it intersects life, real life. Yeah. Um, and, and so where can our listeners find uh, your resources on the website? Yep. So it, if they go to Google, they can type knowing Jesus ministries. It, it will be the first website that pops up. Um, if they want to go directly to the website, it's K for knowing J for Jesus men, M-I-N for ministry. So kjmen.org. Um, if they go to kjmen.org, uh, they will find tons of resources there. There are articles, there are um, videos, theology videos, where we teach on all kinds of things. We have um, we have a Hopeful Suffers weekend for families that have lost children, for parents that have lost children. We've started doing those um, several times a year, they're, they're completely all paid expenses, uh, for the, for the parents that participate in that. We have people come from all over the country to come be a part of those. Um, we have daily devotions that people can sign up for, uh, subscribe to They're free, hit their inbox every morning. So really what we're doing is we're just trying to cultivate resources to help people grow in their faith. Um, you know, we've got conferences and things that we do as well a couple of times a year. So, um, a lot of a lot of our resources are there uh, on the website and free, but uh, from there they'll also see there's other opportunities, the books, the things of that nature. Um, that's yeah, kjmen.org. They should be able to find a, a lot of resources there. That's great, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So you just gotta click that link and explore some of those resources. And Eric, uh, our, I would just ask our listeners to pray for you and your family uh, uh, that. God would be as close as close could be, you know, that your fellowship with Jesus would just be so, so intimate and personal as you continue to walk through this and as you help others in such a neat way. I love what you're doing. So 
Thanks for coming on board and telling your story and giving us a glimpse, but uh, also sharing how our listeners can learn as they're going through this as well. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm I'm honored to be a part of this. And, um, you know, if if the Lord can, um, you know, reach one person to open their eyes in the midst of their pain and their and their troubles and their struggles, um, you know, we we find it a joy to be able to use our story to share to share with people to say, listen, you can trust the Lord. You can trust him. Um, you may be in the valley. You know, you may be in a situation that you would never sign up for. And yet the Lord is faithful and he's good. And you can cling to him in those things and you can walk with him. And the only way to do that is you, you have to learn to abide in him. You have to learn to cling to him day by day in the word, in prayer. Um, you know, and so that's why so much of our ministry is tied to that dual idea of you, you have to enjoy and know communion with God. Cause that's how you come to know the God who's with you mm. in those trials. And so, um, yeah, I hope your listeners are encouraged and, um, I I'm, I'm thankful for an opportunity to be on here to talk with you. Great. Well, let's talk again. Okay. I'm, I'm down. Let me know anytime you want me to join, I'll be happy to do it. Okay. Take care. There's so much in that interview, so much of life, so much of the word of God, so much relationship with Jesus. It's where uh, the truth of scripture meets life in some of the hardest situations. So Eric, thank you. And uh, we will be praying. Our listeners will be praying for you and for your family as you continue to go through this. And God's been so faithful. Hasn't he been so faithful to him and his family? And, and man, ah, wow. We all know that forgiveness isn't easy. Your sacrifice and a price has to be paid. And I don't think there's a formula for forgiveness. Uh, Eric and his family, in their life, that, that's evidence of that. Yeah, they did certain things to forgive, but it wasn't a formula. God had to work in their hearts. It's a process. But most importantly, it's a process where, where Christ has to be at the center. It's our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. So if you're in a position now where you're wrestling with forgiveness, oh man, bring Jesus into it. And you might want to go back and listen again to the interview with Eric because he has so many wise things to say, born out of experiences. Wow. Well, this is a new member month at Fresh Faith 24-7. I mentioned that and there's so much to engage with from video devotionals to our live devos twice a week, great community, whole lot more. And uh, we got that 30-day free trial going on right now. And this podcast is just, a, is just a peek into our membership. I'm committed to helping a million believers know the Christ of the cross. And we do that inside Fresh Faith 24-7. So join us at freshfaith247.com. Love to see you there as we head into the summer together. Season one is coming to a close officially But I've got 28 other episodes before this one that you're listening to now, and I encourage you to check them out. I really uh, do want you to experience fresh faith in real life. And we have a lot to learn from the journeys of others. A lot more Eric reads out there that we can learn from. So go back and listen. Be inspired in your walk with Christ. And have a good off season. I'll see you back here in September. God bless you.